and then I studied some job offers and there was this one strange offer from Melbourne School of Theology which really described who I was, uh, a minister, so as I'm a pastor as well, I'm a ordained pastor, a theologian, and I think they asked for a bit of mental health or psychology background and I thought, oh, wait a minute, that's, that's my profile, what do I do now, <laughs> am I supposed to apply? Uh, I'm not the adventurous type, so I, I would have loved to stay in Scotland. It's a beautiful place, wonderful people. Why move away? Um, but my wife, she's the adventurer, and she looked at the map and she found a, um, I think what's called Starship Hospital in New Zealand. And she looked at the map, and New Zealand is not too far away from Australia. <laughs> and she saw the job advertisement as well, and she told me I have to apply. And as a good husband, I obeyed. <laughs> thinking nothing's going to come of it anyway because they will not take me. I mean, strange, obscure German who studied in Scotland. Why would you? I mean, impossible. So I applied, but then, yeah, it, it became reality somehow. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that'll equip your team and strengthen help. I'm Laura Howe, and on the show today, we are talking with author and director of the Melbourne Center for Theology and Psychology, Michael Brottingham. With technology and travel, the world has become such a smaller place. In like only 12 hours, you could be on the total other side of the world. Or with the touch of a button, you can be having a live video conversation with just about anyone in the world. But living in North America, it can be easy to feel like we are the center. <laughs> the news and entertainment that are in your face all the time are focusing on what's happening in your community, your country, your relevant issues. It's easy to forget that all around the world, there are other communities, cultures, and systems that are navigating the very same struggles that you are. That's the thing about suffering. It doesn't discriminate. Regardless of culture and country, people are suffering from mental health, trauma, addictions, and hardships. The global church is trying to grapple with its role. How can it be best in coming alongside others who are suffering? And this can be really hard. The, the needs are increasing in everyone's community. More and more people are seeking the church for help. And traditionally, let's be honest, theology and psychology were not always thought of as collaborative disciplines. And this is why I'm excited to connect with Michael to talk about the intersection of theology and psychology. Michael is the director of the Center of Theology and Psychology in Melbourne, where they are focused on offering training and integrative research to help churches and leaders build resilience, and equip them with the skills to grow and nurture healthy communities. Michael studied psychology in Germany and then theology in Scotland and is an ordained minister. More recently, he has published a book called Flourishing Intentions, Embracing Radical Discipleship. And this book is what it is about what it means to die to yourself and take up your cross and follow him. But even though Michael is in Melbourne, Australia, 
Well, he didn't grow up there. He was born in Germany, where the primary faith tradition was Roman Catholicism. And he grew up in this tradition with his family. But as a young adult, he found a Protestant church where scripture, as he describes, came alive to him and the gospel started to become relevant to his life. It was also in this community of believers that he began to build this network and community of friends. That's what I experienced in that young church plant. I met friends, like-minded people, mainly young students yeah. like myself back in the days, you know, and yeah. we, we really, yeah, discovered what Christianity was all about and then uh, were involved in that church plant. And I always actually wanted to become a Christian counselor at that point in my life. Okay. So I left school really determined. Uh, I studied psychology, uh, become a Christian counselor and... Because I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm good at listening, good in convers like talking with people about the problems and their needs and finding solutions together with them. And that's why I studied psychology while being active in church at the same time. So that was an interesting time. Studying at the secular uni, studying well, the proper courses in secular psychology. Yeah. And then I soon found out, okay, well, this, this is interesting because um, the Christian faith is telling me one thing and the rather secular, humanist-oriented psychology professor tells me something else. So they're actually telling me, well, all human beings are intrinsically good and they just have to find their true potential. You just have to look inside mm -hmm. and see all the good that is within you and, you know, be uh, boost uh, boost your own um, self and and um, be self confident. And uh, on the other hand, the message from Christianity, from the Bible that I was hearing in church, was a little bit different. You know, it's well, mm -hmm. yes, we were created good, but then there was the fall, and human humanity has sinned in our first parents, and so there are <laughs> intrinsic problems that we have to deal with. And that explain a lot of issues in our own lives and in society. So I had this incompatibility, if you want to call it that. And I had to wrestle with that and reconcile that. And that was, yeah, that was quite a journey. Did you find uh, that there was a lot of conflicts or was it this kind of foundational principle of created good versus, you know, the fall that propelled you because you also went to uh and got more schooling did you it was a double major or a master's in th uh theology as well yes it was like a master in the end i ended up with that that was the only way you could study in germany at the time you mm -hmm. if you wanted to do the psychology you have to go the whole way to a master equivalent and yeah, but once I finished these studies, I, I thought, okay, do I, can I really help people now with, with my psychology? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, sure. I mean, there are great techniques and I've learned great skills uh, in psychology. They have great strategies. Uh, think about human emotions, understanding emotions better. Sure, that's great. You know, or human motivation, uh, communication, mm -hmm. dealing with conflict. So psychology has a lot to contribute. But in then on the other hand, I was thinking, well, if I want to help my brothers and sisters, you know, fellow Christians, um, I really need a little bit more of a theological grounding. I need to understand more about, okay, what went wrong? What's, what's sin? What are the effects of it? Mm -hmm. why, why is everything not the way it's supposed to be? And 
at that point, I was really more involved in church. I was asked to preach a sermon. And I thought, okay, wow, if I'm now preaching sermons, I really need some theology. <laughs> and that's when I then decided to study theology on top of that, while still always being grounded in church, because I always think that's important. So I studied uh, theology via distance education with the United States, and uh, I was serving in church as an um, assistant minister or intern, if you want to call it that, yeah. But it's, that, that was very important, really, being grounded, as you mentioned earlier, Laura, being grounded in a community that's supportive and where you can grow your faith and be rooted in that particular community and then exploring further theological studies. In your work in the pastoral role, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you noticed come up in your experiences that you were able to lean on both. Uh, I hear from some people that um, seminary is, is not really, equ didn't equip them to, to tackle or to approach or to manage some of the, the concerns that are brought to, to clergy and to ministry leaders. I'm wondering if you, uh, in while you were in that position, you found yourself leaning, you know, dipping one foot in this side and the other in that, and and how are you were able to bring those together? Oh, that's again a great question, Lauren. It's so important, and yeah, you're you, you're hitting a sore spot here because even in our own place here, where I'm now in Australia, it's we always notice. Um, well, there's a lack in education of pastors and ministers. We're not equipping them. We're, they're getting great theology, but then once you're in that ministry context, how do you talk to people? How do you lead a team successfully? How do you deal with conflict? Mm. How do you communicate well? How do you, um, yeah, help the, the, the whole pastoral side of things? How do you walk with people through suffering? And that is actually an important point, you know, because there is so much suffering. How do you do that well? How do you support your own pe people? So I was I was a bit lost, to be honest, at times. Um, yes, there were some things I could use in psychology, but um, I think nowadays we have we are we really f so far ahead these days. So that, we're talking twenty years ago now, as so I'm getting old. But yeah. um, today <laughs> we've got. If I look at, I would have loved to to join the units we're offering now when I was a young man, but. Um, uh, knowing more about pastoral care, knowing more about, okay, how does psychology and theology, how do the, the topics intersect? What can we use in psychology that's good and apply to our theology, apply to the pastoral care mm -hmm. situation in order to really help people to flourish, to be well, uh, and to grow? So, yeah, but those experiences, I guess, or, or experiencing the lack of resources, the lack of support, I think that's giving me the drive today to really provide mm -hmm. helpful resources, making sure my students are well equipped. So, uh, and in the end, and it's a good thing, it turns out to be a blessing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I want to... I'm, we're definitely going to talk about the center of um, theology and psychology, but I want to touch on a little bit that you wrote a book last year called The Intersection, uh, about discipleship, The Intersection of Theology and Psychology. Where did the inspiration or why did you write that book? What was the um, the catalyst that kind of provoked you saying, this is something that really 
that's important and is a voice that's missing. Mm. Yes. So um, I think we all know the call to discipleship and you hear it in church, you Mm -hmm. know, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. That's what Jesus says. And I think we heard it so many times. We are, that was at least my impression of, in my own life. I've read it so many times. I heard it so mm-hmm. many times. But wait a minute. I've never really thought about what it actually means. What does it mean really to deny yourself? I've read all these pious answers to that. And I thought, oh, that sounds great. Yes. But what does it, again, what does it really mean for my own life? And then I thought, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Here is a point where psychology becomes comes actually pretty useful because in psychology you have a, a whole subdiscipline that really looks into the self in terms of our self-concept uh, is there something like a true and authentic self in us what what is our self um, and if i'm told deny yourself i guess i first have to figure out what myself is i need to know what the mm. self is that i'm supposed to deny because if I can't figure that out, what, what, am I, what am I denying here? Is there maybe something I can embrace right. in myself, right? There, there might be positive things here too. And that really put me on this path. And I thought, oh, I think I'm onto something here. And then I just really straight in this very straightforward way, try to explore this threefold call to discipleship. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I found out that psychology really speaks into that. So we have all these, for instance, if you look at our own lives, we have all these different selves, if we may call them. We've got an ideal self, how we would like to be. We've got a possible <laughs> self. The Instagram, the, inter- the Instagram exactly. self. So exactly. <laughs> we are probably confused because we've got our digital or Instagram selves. We've got the, the possible self. Oh, I could also do this or do that. So I, I guess our people in churches, they might be sometimes confused. Okay, who am I really, you know? And Mm. what in myself am I supposed to deny? And that's really at least what the first part of the book is about. Okay, there there might be some things in myself that I I really want to embrace, uh, but others I really would want to deny. I really want to put to death. Uh, to use that hard language, but that's really the, the language the Bible uses. And no, that puts us, and then there's obviously the theology bit where theology then comes in and talks really a lot about ourself. Paul talks a lot about it, you know, our uh, old self and our new self. And how does that work? Our old self keeps dying off and our new self keeps rising with Jesus Christ. And how can I live in that new self mode of being? And, and that is exciting. That's really what I find personally exciting, what I, in my own life, want to discover each day afresh. What does that actually mean? Denying myself, putting the old self to death, and living in that new self-life that Jesus Christ provides for us. Hmm. So in the book, you walk through, it's a personal reflection, or are you walking through how to disciple others yes. as a leader? Good question. It's uh, really for yourself, actually. So it's for you to mm-hmm. figure out what does it mean for you personally to deny yourself, to take up your cross. Deny what does the yourself. cross look like? Because we all have different crosses to carry. It's not a comfortable message. And 
uh, when I was writing the book, I was thinking, wait a minute, have I really ever listened to a sermon or a talk <laughs> on, well, take up your cross? It's offensive, as it should be. It's a torture mm. instrument. Why? I mean, it doesn't sound very inviting, you know, uh, take mm. up your cross, but it is Jesus's call. Well, and he's got a cross for us ready to take up, not not his cross, because that's the big cross, but our own little crosses. And again, trying to figure out what does it mean and what does it mean to carry our own burdens, but also carry each other's burdens. Uh, what, what are crosses, what maybe are not really crosses we're supposed to bear. So, so there's a lot, lot of important material on that. I hope it's important material. I found it helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the only time that I could think of um, when you talk about, you know, lay down your cross, die to yourself, pick up a cross and follow him. The the imagery that I have and and I'm not not meaning to um, belittle or like minimize the like the depth and the importance of that scripture. But I always think of like summer camp when, you know, at least in the area that I grew up in every year, or every time I went to youth camp or summer camp, it was, you know, you would write something on a scripture or, or like on a piece of paper and you would put it and you would nail it to the cross and then you would die to yourself. And, you know, but I think there's just so much more depth to it, especially when we're in this day and age where, like you said, what is yourself? What does that mean? And do I give up the visions or the potential, or the the dreams that I feel like God has given me? Do I, do I let those die? Or is it what, what aspects of myself need to die and what aspects need to be embraced? I like, I like that, um, perspective because, um, not everything what does that self mean for the scripture? Does it mean everything or or does it mean um, just aspects, like you said, of what you project? Mm. Exactly. And I'm not... Yeah. Good thoughts. Yeah, and I'm not really... They're not really... I mean, I want to be honest here. They're not really my thoughts that I'm sharing. I'm regurgitating really the big guys in theology and history and psychology. So I'm uh, really uh, taking a lot from Martin Luther and from Dietrich. Maybe you've heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, the the great Christian martyr and yeah so it's I try to uh, take those insights from the past and translate and uh, translate those to the yeah. here and now and I think that's mm-hmm. that's all I'm trying to do and I, it could be helpful to some yes I definitely think so and we'll have that linked in the show notes if anyone is interested we'll have the that book link so you can order it uh but so that was a, a couple years ago were you uh you're currently and i'm i'm curious to hear the story of what brought you then to australia that's a far cry from germany warmer definitely i'm sure in the winter months warmer in australia and in melbourne and I think I'm saying that correctly. I have been schooled on how to properly say here. I always thought it was Melbourne. I don't, but that's a Melbourne. butchering it, apparently. You're asking a German <laughs> here how to pronounce an Australian. <laughs> we can only lose here. Uh, I think that's okay. Whatever. And they wouldn't mind. Aussies are really lovely people, so they wouldn't mind. Um, yeah, that's a, again a good question. What brought you there? I, yeah, it's. I mean, honestly, it's still a mystery. I'm here now, eight and a half years uh, together with my wife, but it's. I still can't explain it myself, really. I mean, there was. I mean, 
I finished my doctorate. I was in Scotland, actually, in Edinburgh, in this beautiful uh, town, capital of um, Scotland. Uh, we lived there for about five years. I was f- just finished my uh, doctorate in theology. And then I studied some uh, job offers. And there was this one strange offer from Melbourne School of Theology, which really described who I was, uh, a minister. So as I'm a pastor as well, I'm an ordained pastor, a theologian. And I think they asked for a bit of mental health or psychology background. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, that's that's my profile. What do I do now? <laughs> Am I supposed to apply? <laughs> uh, I'm not the adventurous type, so... I, I would have loved to stay in Scotland. It's a beautiful place, wonderful people. Why move away? Um, but my wife, she's the adventurer, and she looked at the map and she found mm-hmm. a, um, I think what's called Starship Hospital in New Zealand. And she looked at the map, and New Zealand is not too far away from Australia. <laughs> and she saw the yep. job advertisement as well, and she told me I have to apply. And as a good husband, I obeyed. <laughs> Thinking nothing's <laughs> going to come of it anyway, because they will not take me. Right. I mean, strange, obscure German who studied in Scotland. Why would you? I mean, <laughs> impossible. So I applied, but then, yeah, it, it became reality somehow. So here I am now. It's it's a great journey, but we haven't regretted it. It's a great place here, Australia. It's uh, They're really wonderful people. I'm serving in a uh, great a school here with wonderful colleagues and mm-hmm. students who are eager to study the word of God. It's very multicultural here. Is it a seminary? It's a, yeah, I'm not sh- Is it a seminary uh, or is it a degree program? It's a, yeah. Or both? Uh, it's, what we call it, we call it a school of theology. You can do anything starting with certificates up to a PhD. So it's, you've got a whole range, okay. masters, and bachelors and PhD, everything, um, but training future chaplains and pastors and cross-cultural workers. And it's a great privilege, especially with the multicultural uh, background. So I've got students from all over Asia Pacific and uh, many different languages. We've got a big Chinese department here uh, who teach the content in Mandarin. And that is really exciting. So um, having faculty from all over the place from the united states from even from russia oh germany here england and that's what i really appreciate you know you've got uh people from all over sharing the same goals and vision so what is uh what is your area of expertise there what are you providing um because when i go on the website and when we have spoken previously uh there is a whole host of resources that you guys offer. And at first I was like school of theology or, oh, this is almost, it felt a little bit of intimidating because I am not a theologian. I just have a desire to learn more being in the space like yourself. It was like, oh, if I'm in the working in the space, I probably should have a little bit more understanding. And, uh, but when I looked at it, it is really, really, um, approachable like there's a lot of accessible programs for even for myself who's in Canada exactly so we um, offer theology degrees obviously but at some point we were taking on a, a liberal arts college that was also offering in addition to the 
really genuine theological degrees, now also offering counseling degrees and teacher training, chaplaincy. And that really has broadened our offers quite a bit. So it can be a bit confusing. Mm -hmm. But these are two schools and we, we belong together. We are under the same roof. And yeah, at that time when we took that uh, liberal arts college on, uh, I was approached by our principal. Hey, Michael, I remember your CV. You studied psychology. Would you be able to teach a little bit of psychology? And then I, well, I said, yes, happy to do that. And that's how the idea mm -hmm. was born. How about we uh, establish a center that integrates those two disciplines, psychology and theology, and we will just wait and see what God is doing and whether we can serve our community here in that space. And that was now well, five years ago when we started thinking about that or even six years ago. And three years ago, we launched this center. So it's still a baby. It's still very young. <laughs> it needs a lot of attention. But we've been <laughs> uh, able to serve. Uh, and that is really encouraging. In, in many ways. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting in terms of teaching. Obviously, we offer teaching degrees in the area of uh, theology, psychology, thinking about theology of well-being and um, flourishing and uh, also pastoral care for those who are struggling with their mental health, which could be really important for pastors to upskill in that area because there might be still a bit of stigma mm -hmm around mental health in the church, you know, so it's it's good to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are speaking about that. We offer a mental health uh, course for churches, helping them to deal uh, with mental health in the church. How do I find out whether my friend is just a little bit sad or whether my friend's actually suffering from a full-blown depression? What do I do? How do I support him or her best, mm -hmm. you know? Those are the sort of things we're doing offering webinars um, to equip people, uh, workshops here on site. And we also do research. That's really close to my heart because that's what I do myself. Uh, so we're involved in, I'm involved in a, a program with the Center of Theological Inquiry in Princeton in the United States. And they look at thriving in diverse contexts. Very exciting. Uh, we have another project mm, on, you cool. know, really fascinating projects eating disorders and spirituality uh, how can we support people who are mm. well christians but struggling with addiction such as eating disorder what can we do so that's a uh, major research project and yeah so much more if you're maybe if you're listening to this and you're keen to to connect with us we're we're meeting via zoom as well and we have a group of researchers who meet regularly just get in touch send us an email I'd be glad to hear from mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Because it's exciting, you know, mm -hmm. hearing from people all over the globe uh, involved in that space. How can we help each other more meaningfully? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say five years because I started just under five years ago. At the time of this recording, it would be five mm -hmm. years exactly uh, at the time. So, um, and then I was speaking with someone else who said, oh, we started five years ago as mm -hmm. well. And um, yeah, there's a number. I think whatever was God was stirring in people's heart around five years ago. And for those who are listening much further in the future, that would have been 2019, 2018, 19. 
2019 yeah. timeline. Uh, God was preparing the church to, for something. Um, in doing all of this research and looking at the different aspects of well-being, uh, mental health, and theology, I'm I'm wondering at that core intersection if you're seeing patterns or kind of um, markers or cornerstones. These you know, big rocks of saying, okay, this is where the intersection is. Mm. This is where, you know, what is, what is the theology of, or the, the intersection of theology and psychology? Cause you say there's stigma and, and I think there is, but there's also a, an unknown, a mistrust because it's unknown. And there are people who know psychology well and can, and, and can kind of weed through of what are the bits and pieces that maybe align with our faith traditions. And then there are people who know theology really well and and can weed through what aligns with their faith tradition. But it's very rare to have people in both aspects uh, who have a foot in both camps. So for you, what is kind of that intersection of faith and theology? What are those big um, markers that would, that, that you see over and over again in, in the research? Oh, that's a fascinating question. Yes. And there are these uh, overlaps at the intersection actually. And that is really fascinating because People have thought about well-being and flourishing for thousands of years. So I look at the Greek mm -hmm. philosophers, you know, Aristotle, and, and they had really great ideas about what it means for human beings to flourish. Uh, we think about, you know, hedonism and, and what's called eudaimonia. And they had really fascinating insights and that they are reappearing. I don't know what those are, Michael. It's, you, you think about... <laughs> nodding my head and I'm like, wait a minute, if I don't know what that one word is, you, you, probably you, others won't. You, you could think about it this way. <laughs> I had to give myself. Well, there's different, different you, you could call them different uh, ways of feeling well or, or being happy. Even. Okay, okay. So there's this one okay. when, when we go on a roller coaster, you've got this momentary feeling of great happiness and joy for some, for others, it's uh, just try. <laughs> Very, very fearful. Terror. Terror. Um, but there's also this longer lasting, meaningful sense of well-being. Mm. You know, so there's different kinds of, of feeling well or being well. And the, the Greeks thought about that. And it's fascinating that you see that reappear in today's what's called the positive psychology movement. They, um, they talk about similar things or having positive relationships uh, or uh, meaningful achievements. Um, that's already in... Uh, or uh, great activities, you know, that, that's already in the Greeks. You, you see that there as well. And that's obviously connecting with theology as well. So, so there are important points of intersection that all the disciplines can speak into to some degree. But then, as I would say, well, theology adds this special extra by giving us the ultimate motive or the ultimate um, opportunity for flourishing and that is as I believe in, mm. in close relationship with Jesus Christ that's how it works that's something where the other disciplines they, they don't speak about that you know you don't psychology doesn't really mm. talk about that philosophy doesn't talk about that mm -mm. Uh, again they have great insights you know what, what? where do we flourish how do we flourish yes it's great to uh, to have important and meaningful relationships yeah that's wonderful but, and you can flourish in that to some degree, uh, having a great career, you know, making achievements. Yes, all good. 
But the ultimate, as, as I would argue, the ultimate uh, fulfillment or the ultimate flourishing happens only as we are really connecting with God, you know, as we are united with Jesus mm. Christ, as we enjoy the life that he gives to us, the grace through him. And that's just, that is really something that you don't find in the other disciplines. Mm. Like you said, it's that special, it's the special sauce. Yes. It's it's everything, it, as you were gesturing like you were an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, there's something, there's something extra. I love that. Um, so in your work with pastors and, and ministry leaders, uh, where do you find, where are you hearing from? from, you know, you're hearing from voices from all over the world and within the school. Where do you see the needs coming? Um, is it in pastoral care? Is it chaplaincy? Is it in around mental health? What is the, the, the driver behind um, why people are coming to you? Uh, so many times, the reason why I ask is so many times that people feel really lonely in this work or they're embarrassed that they're unsure or they're insecure or always questioning themselves. And, you know, it's kind of, it's helpful to hear that, oh, I'm not alone. And this is a lot of other people are also struggling with this or, or, or wishing they had more information. Mm. Yeah, we have, uh, that's important. And it's important to listen to people. And that's what we did. Because again, our goal is to equip our audience well. So we have, uh, again, pastors and Christian counselors, psychologists, uh, chaplains, uh, Christian teachers, and they all have their own particular challenges. And what we did was we asked them, if you could design your own professional development course, how would you do it? What would you name? And they came up with, uh, I think it was about four or five areas, such as help us to deal with conflict more effectively, help us to deal with a multicultural team even better, help us please to communicate more effectively, help us, and the next one is a really important one, how can we look after ourselves if we're always looking after others? You know, as so many people are mm-hmm. so compassionate, looking after people under their care to the degree that they forget to look after their own selves. And that is worrying. And that's what I see all the time here. People burn out, people give up, people um, just do too much, really. And so, yeah, rediscovering a Sabbath mentality, you know, rejuvenate yourself figure out what 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 you really need what what restores your soul what really fills your bucket so and based on all these answers based on these areas and there's a few more um we developed a program or develop programs in the plural really to to fill those needs really to to equip and support people uh, in those spaces, yeah. What does it mean to to be well, to flourish? Another important point. What does it? Uh, we're back to the self. You know, who are you really? What's your identity? Figure out uh, who you are. Uh, in what role am I actually serving? Are you serving in the right role? Maybe you need a change. See all these things. So it's mm. a sort of uh, it's a bit of coaching. It's a bit of leadership training. Maybe even a bit of pastoral counseling. And. Um, that is what we do here as a community. So it's not just myself. We have a whole mm-hmm. team of leadership experts. We have Christian counselors. We have Christian psychologists. We have theologians who all work together in this and design these programs. 
And that's a, really the strength of our whole center is the team, I would have to say. You know, it's a team of like-minded friends who really want to serve in that space uh, and be a blessing. That's really it. We're not here to make money. We're not, not for profit. We're also not for loss, which is also important to mention. But um, <laughs> yeah, we want to survive in order to bless others. But we are it's yeah. a faith-based enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I'm curious if you could think back to, you know, those years that you were pastoring in Germany when you were starting out, where you were being torn maybe in which direction to go or, or, or unsure where the Lord was leading, where, you know, was it psychology or is it more into ministry? And if you can think back to your younger self and if you could send yourself a voicemail or, or maybe an email, if you're more of a writer, what would you, what would you tell your, your younger self? So first of all, it's probably more important to say what I wouldn't tell my younger self (laughs) If I had told my younger self <laughs> yes, I would probably. end up in Australia with all the spiders and snakes, I would, I would have, I'm not sure, I would have lost the will to live. <laughs> you know, but now, uh, <laughs> so some things I would not mention, because again, I'm not very movable. I'd like to stay where I am. So I'm not very adventurous, but still here I am now. I'm still alive. That's, that's good. So as some, many things I would not put in that email or voicemail or whatever, but then yeah, maybe that's it. I probably wouldn't say much. Just, well, keep on trusting the Lord that there's a plan, you know. And mm. looking back, to me, I always wondered, why did I actually study psychology? It was a tough time, six years full-time study in Germany with all these exams. Uh, and then I end up in the ministry not really doing anything with it for about 20 years. And I'm wondering... I was wondering at many points in life, my life thinking, okay, was that for nothing? Why, why did I put all this energy into my psychology studies? But then these few years ago when, when I was approached to teach theology and now I'm <laughs> leading this center at the integration is telling me, well, it might take 20 years or longer for God's purposes to be revealed and really to make sense of it or make yeah, decades, more decades than that for some other people. But it reminds me that God has a plan. And uh, even though I might not see it uh, that clearly, uh, it will come to pass somehow that what you do in your life mm-hmm. is useful, whether you see it at a point or not. So that, that's quite comforting. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what I would write in that email. Uh, you might not understand yeah. for many years the things that are happening, but trust in the Lord. He has a plan. It sounds a bit cliche, mm-hmm. but it's probably it. That's good. That's good. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for being obedient and going to the land of snakes and spiders. <laughs> we are all benefiting. <laughs> we are all benefiting from it. And uh, I hope people check out um, the center and we'll have links below because it is it's quite remarkable. So thank you for your leadership in that. Thanks so much for inviting me along, Laura. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Mental health and struggles are a human condition felt by people all over the world. This could be both comforting, you are not alone, and daunting, oh my goodness, this is a huge issue. There are resources for you to grow your awareness, knowledge, and skills. And I think there's value in listening and learning from different perspectives, uh, approaches that are unique and different from yours. You gain a new outlook, 
and, and you learn from different approaches and unique cultures and different systems. If you're interested in learning more about the intersection of theology and psychology, check out Michael's book as well as the Center for Theology and Psychology in Melbourne. They have a ton of online options that are for really meant for anyone in the spectrum of the faith and mental health community. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and that it provides you with the support and tools to serve your community. If you haven't followed yet, you can follow this podcast by clicking the plus button just at the top of your device. Appreciate you and thank you for listening. Take care.